Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing great. How are you? Really good. Really good, thanks. almost lost my voice today because back coaching my seven-year-old basketball team i screamed you for almost the entire 32 minutes of the game was it only 32 minutes hard to believe yeah it did seem like about an hour of yelling and no this is not rude yelling it no was i was very, yelling at kids well no i didn't yell. no no not at them just sort of i'm trying to motivate them and also tell them what to do I feel like sometimes they're like fish out of water in the middle. Oh, boy, there's a ball. There's other kids out here. Where are we going? What are we doing? They're, they're seven years old, so they need a little bit of like instruction. And that's what, that's what I'm doing. I'm instructing you. Actually, instructing me on this wine tonight for episode 108 Wow. of The Long Finish. It's episode 108. Catherine, we have a varietal that you love. And we are both shocked we haven't done this varietal I, in I so long. I cannot believe it. We haven't done this since episode 21. That's right. So I, I really can't believe it. Chenin Blanc, one of my favorite varietals in the world. And and I was thinking maybe we haven't done it because I always think, oh, I love that. We always drink that. Oh, I love that. Because we drink it so often at home. I love this grape variety. So this is a very classic version, Domaine à moi, Sauvignon Roche à moi, vintage 2020 from the Loire Valley of France. You really worked hard on that pronunciation. I did. I looked it up on YouTube. On YouTube. Which is what a, a wonderful resource for that. I listened to an American person saying that, and I listened to a French person saying that, and that was... My version right there. It is spelled domain a moin, M-O-I-N-E-S. As always, we'll put a picture of the wine and the wine label on our Instagram at The Long Finish so you can see it, see how it's pronounced, see if Catherine, Catherine's pronouncing it correctly. But um, I came to Catherine and I said, you know, we need a white wine for summer for the podcast and also something to sort of comfort us through a traumatic week because we've had a challenging week over here in the Coker household. So we're going to get into Shannon in a bit. But let's get you up to date what's go with what's going on in our world because it's been a little wild. It's a little nutty. Hope first of all, hopefully everyone is having a uh, nice summer, a nice uh, week after July fourth. Maybe people are back at work or you're continuing your vacation. But hope everything's going well. Yeah, our intention was to take last week off. I took days off at work. We were going to be home. The kids are not doing camps. We were going to like go to the zoo and do some fun activities. But instead, we spent three days at the hospital. Our middle child had trouble breathing. He now confirmed has asthma. And we had to spend some time in the hospital. And then in the following days with multiple doctor visits. And so it's been an exhausting week. No real life-threatening issues with our son, our four-year-old. He was not. But, you know, anytime you're going to ER in the middle of the night at 2 a.m., that is, you know, and a kid can't breathe at four years old, somewhat life-threatening. And I guess I would say maybe life-threatening because the doctors kept him there for multiple days. Yeah, exactly. But I'm only saying because his behavior was such no, that you he was running around the No, you look at the child the and you would say that, that that kid can go out on the playground. He's just fine. But, you know, he didn't have enough oxygen. Mostly at night when he was sleeping. So that was why we spent two nights there because I was happy to see the monitor, you know, his oxygen levels at night. 
Exactly. And that's, you know, he's had so much trouble sleeping his whole life. I mean, part of this show was born from the long finish, trying to people know. down, trying to get them to sleep. And we had so many doctor visits over the past month, we kind of knew it was leading to a point where we needed real it medical was. attention. I mean, we have gone to the pediatrician multiple times in a day, three or four days in a week with this child. So hopefully we're getting him the help then and the med- medicine that he needs to to function better and certainly over the last couple of days since he's had that the child has slept well he has eaten well so anyway thanks for listening to our yeah traumatic week that was not full of zoo trips and all that but we did have a really fun afternoon at the Santa Monica Pier where they have really fun like little rides, Ferris wheel and roller coaster, bumper cars. But it's small and there's lots of games there, cotton candy, total little carnival on the pier. And had an absolute blast with the kids doing that. That really felt like summer. That felt like, you know, the vacation week that we were trying to have. <laughs> you mentioned us wanting to go to the zoo. Our four-year-old in the hospital room was like a zoo animal. I mean, he was Unable to be contained, unable to be caged. Hold, you know, wires are holding him, but he's running, jumping over the bed, playing cars underneath the bed. It's tough to be four and be in the hospital. So it's really a shout out to all the people that were helping us at UCLA, Santa Monica, the nurses, the doctors, everyone. Big thank you to to all of you out there. And huge shout out to people who have to have their kids in the hospital for a long time. That'd be really, really hard with yep. all that energy. Full empathy from over here. Yeah, like you said, in other news, we try to do some stuff during the week. I took all three kids for the first time to, uh, as you you all know, I'm in the Writers Guild, Writers Guild of America. We are on strike, and I took all three kids to the picket lines last Friday, which was fun, but also kind of traumatic. (laughs) Sounds horrible. It was tough. It was tough. I, you know, I did promise some Gatorades, you know, some snacks, but I wanted, I wanted to be able to, uh, you know, monitor them, but I also wanted to have them see. A little bit of what's going on. I mean, four and two, not really going to know, but our seven-year-old, I kind of want him to see, like, what is happening? And we talked about shows on strike and films on strike, and he's asking me what I've worked on, et cetera, et cetera. So that was cool. You know, that was cool for them to see that. There was an accident at the end. I, we went out to lunch after, this is a pure parenting story, right at the tail end of our picket line. Our two-year-old had a, <laughs> had a diaper accident where he ripped off a soiled diaper in the middle of the street, and so I immediately called Catherine, and I was like, listen, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. We have an emergency. It was like an ER trip. Run a bath. Yeah, run a bath. Run a bath. We have a code black. That humbled me because that was not fun. Like, this is a great day. It's been a trail of uh, those stories for me recently. I have another one of those for you, Catherine. This is a surprise for you. Oh, no. We were playing at the the playground maybe two weeks ago, and our two-year-old had a, a soil diaper. This is this is confusing. I don't know why I did this. Oh my gosh! Do you know I want to hear no, this? No, no, no. But just listen. So I, I, we change our son, and I take the diaper. I don't want to put it in the trash out of respect to people who have to change the trash cans, right? Out of, I'm, I'm thinking from oh, an empathy standpoint. Oh, you know I where I'm going with this. this. Oh. So now, normally, I have small bags in my backpack that we put the dirty diapers in. Listen, we don't leave number two diapers around in the community. We take those and we put them in the diaper pail in a container in a dumpster, not in like, you know, a community trash at a park. So I didn't have any of those trash bags because I'd used the last one for some wet swimsuits earlier in the day. 
And so... Why parent brain? I parent brain. I'm playing golf yesterday. I'm forgetting things everywhere. For, so for this particular situation, I said, I don't want to put it in the trash can. I don't respect the people that are changing this, tr- this trash can. So what I'm going to do is... And I don't want to put it in my car and have it sit there while we're playing at the park. So I put it underneath the car, but above the tire. Thinking I'm, that I'm, I'm going cha- to take the diaper at the last minute and put it into the car and then throw it out, out at our house. As we're driving home... Catherine asks me, where is the diaper? It was not in the car. I'm thinking, you know, we, we missed it. Like it, You better fine. write a letter to the people that work in that park. What lot. you don't know is. Oh, no. I went back that night because I'm a conscientious person. I went back and I found the diaper. Part of our tire had run over the diaper. But I proceeded to clean up this parking lot. <laughs> oh my gosh! I I, I I felt terrible, so I ended up throwing it into basically the same trash can that I wanted to avoid the entire time. But I also wanted to clean up this one parking space where I had run over <laughs> a soiled diaper that I had never intended to. <laughs> it was I a, such a bad that. idea. Such a bad idea. I, I, it was that was it's such, truly it's horrible. such dad brain, and I don't want to bring up like anything you know grotesque images, other than to think like my brain is just not working right now because these three kids are driving. I just are just I'm going insane. I do have a lot of respect for you for going back and cleaning that up. I did go back, and and let's just say this is a parking lot that we frequent a lot, so you know there we we need to respect that. That's right. This is not why you come to a wine podcast. This, this, but this is just a story to tell you, like, you know what? We are parents who you know, in, are involved in the wine business. This is basically the, the reason we started the podcast a long time ago. Like, our life is so crazy. And hopefully you all are, you have empathy and say, you know, our, our lives are crazy too. So we want to be highfalutin, sophisticated when it comes to talking about wine. But our lives are just regular, everyday people lives i don't need to be highfalutin or sophisticated but i do enjoy wine as an escape from the chaos that is this family i mean i I love it you know i like i said on the end of maybe it was the last episode like part of the joy of having a big family is the chaos you know is that like constant life the constant energy the constant surprises and funny things and always something new happening and people and and just there is so much life in this house but it's also completely exhausting and totally chaotic you just don't know what's happening at any moment if you're a control freak you just be done luckily i'm not but even the things i thought i had a slight hold on are have now slipped away including poop on my tires <laughs> Well, I teased last episode. I wanted, I wanted to ask you, you know, our thoughts on having three kids. I want to push that to the next episode because I want to get into this wine because you've talked about wine as escape. If this is not your favorite varietal, it's one of your favorites. It really is. I, I love Chenin Blanc because, well, I love white wine and I love the versatility of this wine. Chenin Blanc can be sparkling. It can be still. It can be dry. It can be on the austere side. It can be more opulent. It can be sweet. I love that versatility. And it's kind of like we've had a few episodes about Riesling being a high acid wine that pairs really well with food. And Chenin Blanc isn't that much different. 
it is a, also a high acid wine, but it has a lot more body, generally speaking, than Riesling. And it can be treated differently. For example, it can be oaked or not oaked. Generally, Riesling isn't oaked, although it can be. But Chenin Blanc has that versatility and that can just be so charming. And the real home of Chenin Blanc, the birthplace, is the Loire Valley. And that's what we're drinking tonight. And, and many would say that it is this region that we're drinking, Sauvignon. So just to remind you, this is the Domaine à moi, Roche à moi, Sauvignon, Loire Valley, France, Vintage 2020. So this was harvested. So before you go, I just want to jump in and say, when we tag this wine producer... And they go to listen to our podcast, and she presses play, and then she starts to, to sift through <laughs> 12 minutes of dirty diaper conversation. Apologies. We're talking about your wine. We're here to praise your wine. We love your wine. But yeah, anyway. Well, I met her, Tessa oh, really? LaRoche. Yes, a number of, maybe I would say five years ago, she came to Esther's and had lunch, and I got to do a tasting with her, and she is full of fire and a wonderful presence, like the queen of Sauvignon, I would say. She is just larger than life. Very natural woman. Doesn't wear makeup. Very forceful in the most pleasant way. And I don't know if she would like the conversation or not, but her English isn't great. So she might just speed through it anyway. But Tessa, we love your wines. I can't wait to hear you talk about Shannon Blanc. We talked about it in episode 21. But I just want to start off before you get into the details of this wine. Is my first question about Shannon is, do you see it as a seasonal wine? Like, does it go well with summer or is it, is it, is it has a winter connotation? Anytime is a great time to drink Shannon. Because of the many styles of Shannon, I th- certainly think it's a year-round grape variety. There is a sparkling Shannon Blanc from California that Brock Wines is making that's great this summer. It's a pet nut that we're serving at Birdie G's. There are more full-bodied Chenin Blancs that are great for the fall and with all those like, you know, roasted fall veggies. It's great winter wine because it does have so much body and it's a alternative to Chardonnay, which I think of also as a great winter wine, but it's a white wine. So of course it's good for summer and it's great pairing with fish. I know you're going to ask me pairing later, but with meteor fish like tuna or monkfish, even something really rich like lobster. It's awesome because it has all the body to hold up to those and lots of acidity. What I wouldn't give to have some lobster with this at a picnic table on the beach right now. That sounds like summer. Definitely sounds like summer. What do you got for us? So as I said, Really, the Loire Valley is the home of Chenin Blanc, but Sauvignon, many people think, I mean, that is the most classic you can get with Chenin Blanc. It's a really small region. It's on the west part of the Loire Valley. It's in the Anjou region, and it's close to Angers. It's on the right bank of the Loire, and the, the characteristic here are these schist soils, which just give this minerality. It's cooler area. There's lots of fog. Now, the Appalachian started in the 1950s, and at that time, sweeter versions of Chenin Blanc were really the thing. So it didn't start out as a drier region, dry Chenin Blanc region. It started out as sweet. But as things changed, it really became known for the mineral-driven 
and sometimes austere style of Chenin Blanc, some oak aging, and ageable. When you think about ageable white wines from the Loire Valley, this is it. These wines can age 20, 30 years, even 40 years. And I have had wines from this winery that are 20 years. We had a 1999, I believe, in stock for a while from Domaine Amois at Esther's. It was so weird and wooly. After all that time, the fruit kind of falls away and you just get this lanolin kind of funky mushroom, mineral, just really different wine. And now the wine we're drinking now is just, it's so different. It's lovely. It's lime and citrus. It's got lots of white flowers, definitely has that honey element to it. Chenin Blanc often has that honey and ginger. It's actually um, due to something scientific. Oh, here we go called volatile thiols, which are these strong smelling molecules that exist in wine. And these particular ones uh, are present in the grape variety and in the wine. So that's just natural to Chenin Blanc. They happen in other grapes too, like Sauvignon Blanc, but the particular ones that do give the signature honey and beeswax aromas, those are molecules. Honey is a common indicator, right? You mentioned honey, you mentioned woolly like wet wool, wool is always wet a... wool pear quince like a ginger chamomile and this this is such a fresh style this is thirteen percent alcohol it is a full body but with that racing acidity that just wipes your mouth clean at the end at the finish you might not guess that it's such a full bodied wine we opened this wine for dinner and I was like yes this wine. Hits the spot. It's a great wine. Question to you before we continue is, you know, obviously we know the popularity of Chardonnay. Shannon is known as sort of the sommelier's varietal, the wine person's varietal. Why hasn't crossed over in popularity, do you think, that the way that Chardonnay has to the masses? Why aren't people drinking this wine, and why should more people be drinking Chenin Blanc? Well, I think maybe folks don't drink Chenin Blanc for the same reason that they might not drink well, no, I'm going to take that back. I was going to say for the same reason they don't drink Riesling, because I think Riesling, there is the misconception that it's always going to be sweet. Maybe Chenin Blanc, it's lesser known. The name is lesser known. It's not as produced as widely as Chardonnay. Now, Chenin Blanc is in France. It's in the U.S. It's in Australia. It's really in South Africa, where it's called Steen. And there it has a more opulent and a much fruitier style, not quite as minerally as this, although it does always have some underlying mineral character. But Chardonnay, I don't know what country Chardonnay is not produced in. You know, it's just everywhere. So it's more common. But the other difference is that Chardonnay has more of a medium acidity. It's not as high acid. And a lot of people don't like high acid wines. Makes complete sense. You know, if you're drinking it with food and it's the right pairing, you're going to like it. But if it's on its own, just a high acid wine isn't for everyone. Now, we drink a lot of wine and we are acid heads. We love that. It's just not everyone's cup of tea, though. I'm saying this now. We have some of this at Esther's. This is not a tease. Like, people should just be checking this wine out. I think this, if you want like an entry to Shannon. For me, I think this is a great way to go. I do too. And I think if you are making some kind of 
richer fish dish or especially like scallops in a cream sauce or something like that, and you want to try something other than Chardonnay, this is a great option. And a lot of times it's going to cost a lot less than a fancy burgundy. It'll be different, but it might be a great pairing. Taking away one of my questions. I know. I keep, I, I just want to hit that question know, early all that. the time. Oh, really? Okay. No, that's a constructive feedback for the podcast. What else can we learn about this wine and this winemaker? Well, Sauvignon is a really special region, as I was saying. It's very small. There's only like 30 producers. And Domaine Amois has been there since 1981. But the vines have been there since the 12th century. You've heard this story before. Planted by monks. Yo, they knew what to do. It was purchased in 1981 by Madame Monique Laroche, who was Tessa's mother, who passed away, I think, in 2020 or 2021. And she ran the estate with her husband for years. And she loved to keep the cellar. She loved to stock the wines. Now, she sold the wines, but she kept many, many, many of the wines. So not only were they known for their terroir and where they were, but also because they had a really rich cellar of back vintages. And where they are is important. So Sauvignon is the appellation, but there's two crews, there's two vineyards that are very, very important and notable. Roche Amois and Claude de la Colie de Sarant. And Claude de la Colie de Sarant is owned by Nicolas Jolie. Love those wines as well. Have those at Esther's. I visited that estate in 2014. Fantastic. And Rochamois is not, it is, uh, has a few different owners, but Domaine Amois owns the majority of it. This is a very, very special vineyard. It's a south facing hillside overlooking the Loire River, very dense schist soils. This is, it's very special. So they have this special place. Madame Monique is keeping this great cellar of wines. And then in 2003, her daughter, Tessa, takes over. She starts working on the farming. They've always been natural, but she converts to organic. And eventually, she improves the winemaking. They do some biodynamic techniques. And then she says, Mom, and she told me this when she came to Esther. She's like, Mom, we have a great winery. I've done a lot here. This We're going great. But, you know, if it's also a business we need to sell some of the wine that's in the cellar. We can't just keep all the wine that we make. We have to sell it. And her mom's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. She's like, mom, we're, we're going to sell the wine. So they start releasing these back vintages, which is why we were able to get the 1999 or these people, sometimes people online have older vintages of this producer and they're fabulous. They're great. And they're not expensive. And you can experience an older wine, an older white wine for, you know, not your life savings. It's really, really cool. And they're working on the business. Also, Tessa is working with some vines, you know, a little bit outside of their estate. They have more wines now. You know, she's making it a solid business. So as I said, organic, some biodynamic techniques, native yeast. It's aged in tank and cask. It's just a very classic version of Chenin Blanc. Very well made. It's very well made. It's delicious. I want more people drinking Chenin Blanc. My passion for Chenin probably comes from your passion for Chenin. And that's what this episode of the podcast should do for our listeners, for you all out there. It's like, 
If you've not tried Shannon yet, give it a shot. Try to find this wine. So we'll ask that question in a second. You've mentioned what to eat with this wine. Can we recap quickly some bullet points on food pairings? Definitely fish, meteor fish. We had ceviche tonight. I thought it went over quite well. It was great with the ceviche. It'd be great with scallops. It'd be great with monkfish or tuna. It'd be great with any kind of cream sauce. It'd be great with mushrooms because it does have this like kind of earthy funk underneath it. Especially like older versions of Chenin Blanc are great with mushrooms, cheese, of course. And especially some of those funkier cheeses will be great with this because it has that bright, crisp fruit, that citrus, that lime to kind of burst out and still that mineral and funky underbelly. Where can we get this one? You can get this at a number of places, really quality wine stores. I saw it online at some other great stores in LA. I saw it online in some great stores in New York, small wine shops. If people are curious about Shannon and they want to get a, like a style close to the Shannon that we have tonight, what terms and ideas can you give to them to say, go ahead and get a wine like this? Well, when you're looking for a classic version, there are other classic versions in the Loire Valley, but classic Sauvignon would be the best. There are newer producers in Sauvignon doing different things. So I would ask for a classic version of Sauvignon. Eric Asimov had a great article, I don't know, maybe five years ago, New York Times about Sauvignon and named a few producers. But as I said, there's only 30. There's not that many. So, and it's a classic region. So good small wine shop will have something. Anything else? One more thing. Ooh. And this is for your dad. This is for John Coker. Oh, the listener of one to this podcast. No, more people will like this. But he like loves words. So there's something with that happens with Chenin Blanc. And this also happens with Zinfandel that's called Millerandage. Millerandage is a condition where the grape clusters contain berries of different sizes and they're in different developmental stages. So like one might be riper than another within the same cluster. And because of this uneven ripening, it allows for diverse sugar levels when they're harvesting the wine. Also requires, you know, that you are very hands-on in terms of selecting berries for the for the wine that you want to produce. But I just thought your dad, I thought you would, John, really love that word. It's a good word, Millerandage. That's it. I want to see those kids spelling it in the spelling bee. M-I-L-L-E-R-A-N-D-A-G, Millerandage. Ooh, the D-A-G is tough. D-A-G-E? Is that what it is? D-A-G? Yeah. yeah. Did I say E? No, I, I just think I would have gone like Dig, D-I-G-E, maybe, or D-I-D-G-E. I don't know. One more time for the people at home. Millerandage. M-I-L-L-E-R-A-N-D-A-G-E. Millerandage. We'll put that in the show notes. Yep. For that, everyone at home. That one's for you, John. <laughs> we're learning here. So, you know, we're not only talking about soil diapers here, we're talking about Millerandage. Yeah. Name me another podcast that does that. Well, there are a number of wine podcasts. That talk about soil diapers and Millerandage? Maybe not the diapers. The, Thank you. Those are two different yeah. ones. Thank you very much. Go out and get this wine. Try this wine. Try Chenin Blanc this summer. And let us know what you think. Hit us up at The Long Finish on Instagram. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I will go first. 
my inspiration of the week is Dodger Stadium in Chez Ravine. My first time going to Dodger Stadium this season, really in a couple seasons probably, had a great time. I got to give a shout out to what baseball's done this year, which is create a pitch clock, which means the pitchers and the batters have to be in the box and the pitcher has to pitch within a certain amount of time or a strike or a ball is given to the batter or the pitcher, whoever creates the violation. And it's built to make the game go a little faster. And the game was probably 20 minutes faster than normally. The game was usually like three hours long. This was like 2.40. This game was the Dodgers against the Pirates. Dodgers won 6-4, I think. But there's a, it creates a real rhythm to the game. There's real life in the game, I think. I'm sure some purists may be against it, but I was a huge fan seeing it first the first time in person. Huge fan. I love fast games of baseball. I love home runs and fast games. We got that. So I came out like a fan. Love to bring the boys to Dodger Stadium. It's also a pleasure to be at Dodger Stadium. Catherine, have you been? Yes, I have. Yeah, so it's been but a while. It's, it's been, been a while, a while. since we've been. But like, you know, in the evening, these seven o'clock summer games where it's still light out. I went to a place called the Douglas, which is an Echo Park, which is owned by Johnny Jeltema. Johnny, if I'm saying your name wrong, the last name wrong, apologies. But he obviously was well, he, not obviously. He was familiar with Esther's because he'd come from Covell. He come from Barcovell, and that and that team has a cool little burger place, beers, pregame stuff on Sunset. So if you're in the area, go to the Douglas, say hi to Johnny. It's a cool little place. I can't wait to go back there. We walked, my friend Tommy Dewey and I. We walked up to Shez, up through Shez Ravine, up to Dodger Stadium. Just a pleasure to go to any baseball game, really. But these old time stadiums went to Wrigley last year, Fenway in the past, Dodger Stadium. It's cool to be connected to history in that way and see some innovation with the pitch clock. So that's my inspiration of the week. Catherine, what do you have? Well, on top of the fabulous folks at UCLA that helped us last week, and on top of seeing you coach basketball today, that's both those were big highlights in my week, I have also been enjoying a book by artist Myra Kalman. And I know that I mentioned her, I don't know, maybe last month or number of episodes ago with a book called The Principles of Uncertainty. But this book is called And the Pursuit of Happiness. And it was published in 2010, so shortly after the 2008 elections. But it's a wonderful book that's kind of a history and all around exploration of American democracy. And she does this with art, with funny wit. It was a joy to read that last week over the 4th of July when there's so much going on in our country these days. It can be dizzying to know what to think. It was really an enjoyable look at the past and some things in the present. I would highly recommend and the Pursuit of Happiness by Myra Kalman. It's a just joyful little book and beautiful. All right, that's it. That's it for episode 108 of The Long Finish. Episode 108 is in the books. I want to say one thing. I want to shout out Lincoln Fine Wines because recently there was a, an organized break-in into their high-end wine room. And it's one of the first places that Catherine and I ever visited to, uh, to get wines in L.A., I know they're going through some things over there and just let you know that, you know, we're supportive of all businesses, small businesses in general, but small businesses in the uh, the wine world. So just wanted to say a quick shout out to Lincoln Fine Wines that we're thinking of you all and hope you get back on your feet really soon. All right. As I said, 
That's it for episode 108 of The Long Finish. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? Check me out at Catherine Ryle Coker and The Long Finish is at The Long Finish. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. I feel like the basketball practice has turned my voice into sort of like this half DJ... Mm-hmm. Sort of got, like, like let's go guy, out tonight. Like a guy who's up late every night. Very up late, which we have been. Except for this medicine this week. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll change things for us. Oh, I hope so. We'll see. We should be back with an all new episode next week. Stay tuned for that. Thank you for sticking with us. If you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, that would mean a lot to us. Got some fun things in store the next few weeks as we head into the, the meat of summer. So stay tuned for that. Until then, have a great week. Be happy. Be healthy and happy drink. Ciao.